Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the final Get French Football News show of the 2017-18 season, where we look back at every single league and team. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me for the first half of this evening's proceedings are Rich Allen and Peter Rutzler. Before we dive into things, dear listeners, do remember that for all your latest French football news, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We'll start where else but the champions and Paris Saint-Germain had a tremendous domestic season finishing top of the league and winning both domestic cup competitions and the Trophy de Champions if you want to count that as a quadruple I'm sure Emery would quite like that on his CV um, but Rich it was a great domestic season but at the same time they failed in Europe again will that always be the measuring stick for this team? Um, under under the new regime yes yes unfortunately for any coach coming into PSG that's that's where your measure is at um, you know you are expected and of course we saw that Emery failed last season you're expected to win Liga, you're expected to win Liga comfortably as well, <clears throat> and a domestic clean sweep is 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 you know, par for the course. Now, it's it's kicking on in Europe. Um, unfortunately for PSG and unfortunately for Emery, that's not been the case the last two seasons. If anything, they've actually gone backwards. Um, albeit they have obviously come up against two very very good teams in those, but you know the 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 Qatari owners are going to be wanting well. You know, if if, you, if you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna be the best. You've got to beat the best. Um, and and this season, it's it has been it has been another another disappointing season in Europe. Um, I think they they um, they obviously came up against Real Madrid, who who obviously went on went on to win the trophy. But you know, you're looking at, at, at that first leg, um, and you go back to just how dominant PSG were, um, you know, in in Madrid as well. Um, and just let it slip in the final twenty minutes um, uh, to take that then to take that defeat uh, at home where they completely disintegrated at home. Um, it was a it was a you know it was a pretty poor showing at home considering it could have been done. It wasn't going to be taking you know something too um, too unpredictable for that to happen. Um, but it, they just they just failed on that front, um, and really ever since then it's just been on a canter since they wrapped up league one, and and then basically the players just disappeared on their holidays. Um, there were some sloppy performances towards the end of the season that may or may not be something that can be forgiven, uh, and then obviously finish with with Emery um, <clears throat> and PSG coming to a mutual agreement that he would he would depart. So it was. Um, it wasn't the sort of progression I think that that the, the PSG hierarchy would have wanted under Emery. Um, so I think it's it's a you know it's a new chapter now under Thomas Tuchel, uh, and we'll see where it goes really. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was a, a really strong season, especially domestically. Look, they won the six first game first six games in a row. It took a draw at Montpellier to to really give them any kind of test at all and then there was that real test against Marseille, the two two draw. They then didn't lose again until uh, that crazy Strasbourg game and there was only then the defeat to Leon, and then near the very end of the season the defeat to Rennes at home breaking that record which would disappoint them a little bit that they were really strong domestically and we've already mentioned the cup competitions really were a little bit of a breeze at the same time but I think the interesting question 
for this one, Peter, for this season and possibly for, for the season ahead as well. Um, would they trade that domestic success for, for a little bit of a taste of Europe? Even I, I, I know this is maybe a little bit dramatic, but would they trade all those trophies for even a semi-final of a Champions League? Um, I think Emre would have. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if uh, PSG would themselves. I think their supporters may be the, th- the same. Um, I think, with, as Rich was outlining, you know, it's all about European success and, and getting further in the competition, but it's, it's not just about getting further, it's about winning it. And I think part of it is being dominant and, and being dominant domestically. I don't think there's really a scenario where we'd see that dominance challenged, apart from, of course, with, with Monaco last year, which seems increasingly like an, uh, an anomaly. Um, but yeah, no, I think Emery definitely would have ch- would have uh, grabbed <laughs> anything to, to, to take that. Although that said, he's now got a decent job elsewhere. So um, maybe not. But uh, I think in, in general, PSG season, it's such a strange one. It's not something you can really analyze too, in too, too much depth except on Europe. It's like the whole purpose is Europe and, and everything else seems a sideshow. And it's, in that sense, it's undermined a lot of the of, of domestic competition. But at the same time, you know, the things they've brought to the division, I mean, Neymar's transfer, I think it was, it was really well written um, in, our, in the GFFM um, and Guardian piece by, by Adam and Eric. Do you know, the, the impact that's had we're looking at further investment in other clubs, um, TV rights deals. So in terms of the, the domestic spectacle, you know, it's actually been a major boost if for the, in the short term, hopefully just the short term, um, we'll, we'll have to get used to this dominance from, from Paris. Yeah, that's the interesting thing heading into the summer. There's a new manager. There's rumours about uh, Neymar possibly going to Real Madrid and then looking at um, other things that are impacted by the FFP regulations as well, the Mbappe signing actually being officially signed off and then how they still try and improve and shift some of the quote-unquote Deadwood, although some of them would definitely say you think of people like Julian Draxler who still had a a good solid season, Pastore as well, even Gonzalo Guedes who, who they might offload to Valencia who's had a terrific season as well. They might, just might get some money back, but it, whether it be enough, whether they can mix it, it's difficult to tell, but at least they can say that they did the the de facto what Paris Saint-Germain have to do in, in Liga and this season, and it's it's win that title for sure, um, and the domestic trouble coming with it is uh, it's nice enough for them to to know that they uh, didn't quite edge it off. On to um, another team now in Toulouse, who Obviously, I will be joining us in Liga next season again as they won their playoff against Ajaxia, winning the first leg 3-0 that was played behind closed doors at Montpellier because of the incidents in the previous leg. And then they won 1-0 at home last night to ensure their Liga status next season. But Rich, we've mentioned this a few times in the last couple of weeks. That status is still sort of a little bit under question for next season, at least in terms of where they may finish, not like other teams financially, but with players likely to go like Lafont and Diop, while they at least staying in Liga means they may be able to command a higher fee. Replacing them is the other question. And at the same time, the rest of that team really struggled this season to perform anything. There was a couple of flops. Delors didn't really play to the to the level many expected. Same with Corentin Jean. Gianelli and Bula had a couple of decent games, but it wasn't really the show-stopping signing that it thought it had been. Same with Max Langradel was very stop-start. Um, that struggle feels like it might continue, doesn't it? Uh, it does, yeah. yeah. I, I was one of those that believed, actually, in the long run, it would have done Toulouse good, I think, to have a season out of the top flight to really allow them and force them to reassess who they are as a club and what their actual ambitions are. Because 
I mean, they certainly shouldn't be in the position that they're in. Um, you know, you look at that squad, you know, it's littered with some really, really talented, talented youngsters. And then there is, there is obviously then a, a sort of smattering then of, of the more senior players who've, who've seen it, done it kind of thing. So they, they've really, really underperformed this season. Um, it's going to be interesting, I think. There are, you know, I'm, I'm fairly certain Lafon, I'm fairly certain Diop, and probably one or two others won't be there come the start of next season. Um, so they're going to need to, they, as you said, they're going to need to replace them. They're going to need to be be very, very careful on how they replace them. They're probably going to get good money for those two players. So at least they should have something that they can reinvest into into who they're going to be bringing in. Um, <clears throat> they're going to need goals ultimately as well next season not one of their players hit double figures um really if it wasn't for the likes of 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 Max Alan Gradel and and Yaya Sonogo certainly towards the the tail end of the season um i i personally think they probably would have slipped into the automatic relegation spots um so it's been a it's been a disappointing season for Toulouse um it's been another season where they've not really been able to to hold on to a coach who can deliver what is expected um, but there's, as I say, this this is a team that really shouldn't have finished where they finished. You know, there's there's talent there. They just need to to bring in the right coach, I think, to to sort of coax it out of them on a more consistent, regular basis. Yeah, because we've mentioned earlier this season, Peter, that that um, Pascal Dupraz was maybe the man to coax a performance out of them when they needed it and gave them a, a solid base that season where he did sort of consolidate them in league and but then. As soon as this season started, as soon as it started slipping away, very similar to to when it was at Evian, that um, he couldn't really rally them again with it with his tactics and, and his motivational speaking, really more than anything. And then the Bev has, has sort of maybe just stayed mute, maybe just got a little bit lucky more than anything. And then the the playoff with Ajaxio having several men sent off and playing it away from home as well, both of the legs really. Um, silenced them pretty quickly and gave Levielle almost a free pass really to to resume Liga status and, and that's the important thing now is the, and the thing that we've seen this season with Toulouse and, and a couple of seasons ago as well is that they need the right coach for them and if they don't then they're they're going to be in trouble again. Yeah no I agree I think um, we're yet to really decide on, on De Bev. I think what he brought was a sense of stability I think there was a a real unease. I mean, there was the stuff with um, Julien being stripped of the the captaincy and handing it to and being handed to Diop. And it, you know, they were just those sort of unsettled. You know, that sense with Deprise that you know it's it can almost combust a little bit. Um, and and you know, as Rich was saying, there are some really good players in that squad. And I think Adams talked about this quite. Adam White's talked about this quite a lot. Um, you know, the loss of, of Trejo and, and and providing that creative spark to offer them something at the other end of the field is definitely something they've not yet replaced. Um, I mean, Jimmy Dermaz was a player who's always looked like he's, he could offer something, but we haven't seen the best of him this season. He was always in and out of the side. You know, so there are, there are certainly elements to the squad, you know, especially the young players that you can really develop with. And maybe it's a lacking on identity and maybe the sort of, you know, the, the Dupraz sort of firefighter um, uh, overarching feeling about the club is, is kind of stagnated with them and won't push them on. Um, and I, I, you know, Debev, Debev's done a good job, but I think you're right. I think you, you touched on it. You know, you, they want to be looking for someone to, to push them ahead. And I mean, there are a number of managers available that could potentially put them on. I think Gorbanek's still available, isn't he? So, I, you know, that's the kind of manager maybe to 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 put an identity <coughs> on the side going forward if they are looking for a change. Certainly. 
Maybe someone we might mention a little bit later because he was spotted um, heading to a plane to somewhere else in France, Govenex, supposedly this e well, earlier today. So we might talk about him a little bit later. I'm going to change the order. So sorry to my guests for this a little bit, but there is some breaking news, at least anyway, involving a French side and it is involving Monaco. There was um, reports earlier today that Fabinho was close to a move to Liverpool. Well, the club have just confirmed it. Um, Fabinho is a Liverpool player and they have a nice little uh, video showing him and it breaks another one of my hearts having Bernardo Silva having done it last season to Manchester City, but never mind for me. And, um, and, 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 only, and only 50 million euros, which it sounds silly, but that to me just seems so cheap for a player like him. Yeah, and, and let's let's talk about that, Rich, first. Now, obviously, Monaco's season we'll, we'll sort of discuss as well because it was a, an expected dip with so many players going and, and even at the end of the season, the owner admitted that players like Fabinho and Lamar maybe he'd sort of forced to stay in the end, really. So he's, he's, he's sort of let his hand go and allowed them to sort of leave this summer, starting with the Brazilian, really. And he at least leaves Ligue 1 because the big rumours a long while ago was, was Paris Saint-Germain. But it, early this week, it looked like Atletico or even Manchester United would be involved. It is Liverpool now. Let's give the Liverpool fans a little bit of something. What can they expect from Fabinho? Um, they can expect, oh, to keep it simple, they can expect a very, very good midfielder. Um, you know, we saw the, the brilliant partnership he had um, season season just gone with when, when Monaco won, uh, won the title, his partnership with Bakayoko, where they just dominated midfields. Um, you know, he's brilliant at, at, at covering that defensive line. He's excellent going forward, very comfortable on the ball, can play the sensible pass, can play the, the sort of glamour pass, uh, pops up with the odd goal from open play, faultless penalty taker, can play at right back, although hasn't played there now for, for two and a bit seasons. Um, I just think 50 million in this day and age is an absolute snip for a player. And I've just... Just to, just tweeted out. I think it's as ever, and it's been proved here. Get your business done before the major tournaments. I think it's a really, really good bit of business. Happens seems seems to happen so quickly. Mm. Um, so really good bit of business from Liverpool. Monaco have obviously recouped it. You know, a great chunk on another player that'll you know that's gone through. He obviously missed out on a transfer last summer. So um, I, I thought there were elements in his play this season where it was clear that I thought he was a bit disappointed that he missed out on that, but. Um, it didn't dwell too long. I don't think he was quite at his at the same level as the previous season, but I think with all the comings and goings at, at Monaco, I think that can be slightly forgiven and slightly excused. Um, but really, I think looking forward to seeing what he can do in that Liverpool midfield. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because it, he, I, I love Fabinho, really. I've, I've not stated this before. He was GFFN's ball. Player of the Year for for 2017. He was the one, number one on our list before the the list that was released this season. He's a tremendous player. Played like you say, Rich played right back for a long while. Uh, has transformed into to an amazing central defensive midfielder, and it's a real surprise that he's never been involved with the Brazil squad. And some may argue that his powers were really restricted this season without. Um, really someone like Bakayoko next to him to give him a fall. But I think that midfield of Naby Keita and, and Fabinho next season there should have Liverpool fans salivating, really. But what else should have... Well, Monaco fans will have to deal without him now, Peter. And, and their season at the same time, like we've mentioned, but was an expected dip. But at the same time, because of where they finished in the end in second, although they sort of crawled to it and then some of the young players didn't quite come on as they may have expected, except from someone like Ronnie Lopez, who had a terrific season. Does this still count as a good season, especially if they can keep Jardim as well, as it seems like they may? 
Yeah, no, I think it does. I think obviously expectations were altered with how well they did last season. Um, and, you know, a number of fantastic cogs coming together. And one of them was undoubtedly Fabinho. I think I agree. We haven't seen the best of him really this year. I think he, Thomas, Thomas Lamar as well, players who haven't really reached those heights. But I think that's that's symptomatic of, of a side that's, you know, it's, it's been it's had its legs chopped off in places. And, and we saw elements of that. And I think when you, you consider how much stronger Lyon were this season, how much stronger Marseille became, certainly... Uh, after a slow start, uh, you have to say that, and of course, keeping Jardim as well, it's certainly a successful season for, for Monaco. Um, they came out of the blocks firing, and I think there was this impression that we were going to see it again. You know, Radamel Falcao was almost carrying, them, carrying the side on his own shoulders to an extent, and and that that sort of unraveled as, as it went on. And we had this sort of battle of any one of the three of them could take those last two Champions League spots behind Paris Saint-Germain. But Jardim's done a terrific job in, in moulding what are new elements, disgruntled older elements uh, and other younger players coming through to, to form an outlet that's finished second, you know, and, and still got a, a very respectable points total. Um, you, you can't really, you can't sniff at that 80 points again. Um, a few years ago, that'd be enough to win the title on its own. So, I mean, of course, there'll be the disappointment of not being able to retain the title. Of course, there'll be the, the Champions League disappointment as well where they bombed out very quickly and, and quite disappointingly in a group that you wouldn't say from the outset was very tough with Besiktas and Porto and Leipzig. But I think when we, we analyse it for what it has been and, and when we really look at the players who've gone, Mbappe to, to Mandi to, to Bakayoko, um, you had to rebuild again. And for Monaco, the fact that Jardim's still there and looks like he'll be there to, to kickstart another cycle is, is really terrific news. Yeah, make all the difference to that team because you think with with Fabinho already gone, you know Lamar's probably outside of the door now. You, you think that a few more maybe, maybe looking onwards as well. At the same time, similar to other seasons where they they then went on a resurgence, maybe because of this slight dip. That the things like you think of players like uh, Ronnie Lopez who's had a tremendous season, but maybe that's gone under the radar um, because of the fact that they've not quite been as exciting. It's not been shown in Europe as much. Uh, do you think your Tielemans has got another year? Kaitabalde has. Maybe they can reinvest some of this money in three or four more youngsters. They're looking at a few. There was obviously things with Guri of uh, Leon and uh, Jordi. Uh, Jordi oh, in, oh, is it Mula. Mula? Yeah, I thought it was in yeah. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> He's obviously scoring on the final weekend as well, which was a nice positive. We don't, we've waited to see um, a little bit of him. So maybe next season uh, again has the, the shoots of youth and uh, and hope for, for Monaco yet again. Um, on to well, Rich's expertise, and that's Ren, who in the end had a pretty great season, really. There was a few high points. It was a couple of low points where they maybe sort of cantered against sides below them. But at the same time, they've still finished exactly where they really wanted to be in uh, in fifth position. They're rich, just behind the Champions League places. Yes, a fair gap behind them, but at the same time, better than all the rest, relatively comfortably in the end. Um, great results near the end of the season as well against Paris Saint-Germain. And they, they seem to have found their, their formula and their, their their feet this season when it's been relatively inconsistent in other ones. Um, overall, pretty good. On it now, at season's end, you, I, I'd have taken fifth place. If you'd have told me at the start of the season, Ren will finish fifth. Thank you very much. I'll, I'd, I'd take that deal straight away. Uh, they got there the hard way. Um, it was um, 
it was a pretty poor start to the season, the Christian Gorkouf. Uh, I think the team continued their recent troubles of really struggling to find an identity, trying to find a settled a settled eleven. Um, there was too many chopping and changing players in different positions. One week, you know, a player would be at right back, another it would be they'd be left midfield. And we've had that problem now for sort of three or four, three or four years. He stems all the way back to when Montagnier was in charge and he'd do similar. So something had to change. There was a change at coach, there was a change at president. Um Sabri Lamushi came, Olivier Leton came in, former PSG. Um Director of football, he came in to uh, at president level, and they've overseen this move. To and uh, you know, you can tell the 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 Latong influence on this team because he's obviously a businessman, but he's a businessman with a footballing mind. And and the way that they have that the way that they recruited in January, the way that we are now seeing a settled eleven, um, there is a trust in youth, um, and it's not just a you know we'll play the youth because. You know, uh, you know, an older player or more experienced player is injured or suspended. There's a real trust in youth, um, and they do now have the real, real basis and bedrock of a very good team. You know, they recruited a new goalkeeper in the summer. I think he's been one of the league's best in Thomas Kubek. I think he's really, really been a, an excellent acquisition. They've got a really young but very exciting centre back partnership in Joris Nyanyon and Jeremy Jan, who've who've both come through the academy um, and both look real excellent pro, um, uh, prospects, both into the uh, the French under-21 team recently. Um, they've got Benjamin Bourgeau, uh from, from Lens, I think has been one of the signings of the season in the whole league. I think the impact he's made, the energy he's brought, the key goals he's provided as well have been excellent out on the right. Uh, we brought Wabi Kazri in on loan. Uh, you know, he obviously was was really struggling with with Sunderland and, and not getting game time and nowhere near the player that, that we saw for Bordeaux. We brought him back. He's back at his best and now seems he's going to get, uh, you know, a permanent move to somewhere. If it's not us, then bigger. Um, and then, then you add in, you know, we've got Ismail Assar to really find his top form. Diafra Sako, I think, has got to, got to find his top form again. Adrian Onu, who's been really, you know, he, he's faced some really harsh criticism from Rem fans for for some, you know, pretty lacklustre performances. But he popped up at the end of the season with some really, really crucial goals. Um, so I think it's, it, yeah, I think looking back on it, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. But certainly since Lamushi came on, it's been a steady, steady, uh, steady incline and an improvement in performances. Um, I think still there's still issues to be ironed out. I think when you look over the course of the season, in typical Ren fashion, we we won away at Marseille, we won away at Lyon, we won away in Paris. We lost at home to Caen, we lost at home to Gangon, we lost at home to Metz. I don't think there's many other teams in the league who could quite have that kind of balance of, of results. So work to be done, but a really good season. European football, obviously, as well to come. That should hopefully have an impact on the level and quality of signings that we can bring in. So, I, you know, I'm looking forward to this close season. Looking forward to the kinds of players that we can bring in to really build on and, and hopefully see that the season just gone wasn't a, wasn't a one off.
Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And the one I want to focus on there, really, you mentioned a few excellent players, and it's great to see some young players doing well as well. But the, the, the one man that, that stuck out for me and stuck out for many this season, and I know some people might not have heard of him enough, really, and because he's been such a natural, and that's uh, Benjamin Borgio, the 24-year-old. He's scored 10 goals, which is more than anyone um, in that Ren side. Very important goals as well, as you've mentioned, Rich. Seven assists as well. Um, he's had really a breakout season to say the least he has he's an absolute bundle of energy he works really hard um he's he's, he's another one that's played in a few positions but he seems to be settled now out on out on the right um he's happy to drift into the middle that's where he's picked up a number of his goals this season is um you know sort of poaching in the six yard box so he's a real sort of can do kind of player um as I say, it's the energy, I think, and the sort of attitude that he has in that he is he doesn't stop running, really puts his all in. Um, and, yeah, I think I think really is one of the signings of the season. Yeah, it's really been tremendous. And cre- credit to Rent for, for giving him the chance at the top level because it, it makes such a difference for these kind of players. Um, on to Nice, who ha- had a great season the season before, obviously finishing third in there. The Champions League dream ended relatively quickly. But at the same time, Peter, things started to really unravel. They had a terrible start to the season and they've sort of slowly picked themselves up. But it, it always felt like a sort of anticlimactic season with with a lot of players looking at the exit door rather than staying. We, we know Mario Balotelli's looking like leaving, say, with Alisson Player. Jean-Michel Serri's looking for the exit door and Lucian Favre's already gone to Borussia Dortmund with possibly Patrick Vieira coming in the other way, but we'll wait and see on that one. But it was a final season for most in the end, but at the same time, while they had exceeded expectations by finishing third last season, the fact that they finished outside of Europa League qualification even means that this season they've completely fallen well uh, below expectations. Yeah, they have, and they can't get away from that. It's been quite a roller coaster of a season in in the most extreme senses. You're right, they started so poorly, and then they picked up a run of form, and then they hit another slump in form that seen them drip, drop away, then back up challenging for the Europa League spots, and then have now finished outside it. I mean, there's a number of clubs you could probably stick in that bracket, and including Rennes and Bordeaux and, and Saint-Étienne as well. Um, all of the contenders really have had that sort of up up and down, but none, none more so than, than Nice. And I think we go back to the very start of the season in the Champions League qualifier, you know, facing uh, facing Ajax, and getting and then just not making that final hurdle and actually getting into the competition proper. As much as that was a, a difficult task, uh, the impact of that was was you know it was quite quite profound in a, in, a, in a sense. And I think the, the Jean-Michel Serri stuff is is definitely part of that. Um, obviously, he had his, his move to Barcelona was touted. He's mentioned it himself in his comments that he's made, and then that fell through. He went off the boil, and then that their midfield trio that they were, you know, that, that characterised their fantastic season last last year, um, just wasn't as prolific, was not as effective, and and they suffered because of it. Um, their defensive problems, their defensive vulnerabilities were exposed. None more so than than Dante, who looks to be uh, on the wrong side of the, uh, the thirty year age bracket, as much as we've seen the likes of Helton uh, at forty performing wonders at Montpellier. He's been a bit exposed. They had problems they couldn't replace. 
uh, names escape the left back. And then, you know, the, that combat, I think back spe specifically to that game against uh, Lyon at the start of the season, uh, where they were beaten 5 0 at home. And they weren't just beaten, they were run off the park. And I mean, of course, this was a Lyon side performance, but this was a Lyon side without Nabil Fakir. And all of the goals were just example after example of horrendous defending. Um, you had Sorbon out of position, Suke was playing too far forward. There was no defensive cover from midfield, and and that sort of characterised where their seasons be. But then on the flip side, there were the upside. You know, there was the upward curves. I mean, above all, Mario Balotelli, and and what a fantastic renaissance he's had on the south coast. And we saw that this season, again scoring a hat load of goals. Um, you know, some might say that his the way they they build around him going forward has been to the detriment of say Alassane Player. Of course, when Balotelli was out the side, players come in and he's also exceeded. But you know, Balotelli's been superb for them, especially in the way he's learned to control his temperament. He's taken on that role as a big, big player for them and, and, and has, in a sense, you know, pulled them up the table. And, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they finished eighth. And, you know, when looking back, building on a side that they didn't really lose too many players compared to, to, to last year and their third place finish, um, you know, there'll be a real sense of disappointment that they're not back in Europe. And for them, it's back to square one. You imagine that Balotelli is going to go. I imagine that some other names will leave as well. And obviously, Favre's gone, gone to Dortmund now. So Vieira's going to start a new project, if it is Vieira. Um, he's got some good assets to work with. Um, it probably won't be Sarri. Looks like he's off as well. But, you know, there's, there's Cyprian coming back. We've yet to see the best from him again after injury. So, and at least Milu as well. Another good player's come in and done well. I think, yeah, th there's... It's another rebuilding job, I think, um, for Nice. It's a new chapter, a new page uh, from a season that they'll think was quite disappointing. It's it's that attack, isn't it, I think, that's going to have to be looked at. So Balotelli and Player have both pretty much said that they're off. And between them, they got 34 of Nice's 53 goals this season. Um, so, I mean, if that if that stat alone doesn't show the importance of... of not just one replacement, two replacements, and also that they are of a good quality, then then I don't know what would. Yeah, it's really going to be an interesting one for them next season. It's almost like a mini rebuild for them, really. They're going to have to um, fix the spine of the squad. They're going to have to bring in a brand new manager and, and possibly a new style of play because of how Lucien Favre likes to play. It's, it's going to be an interesting season to see what they end up doing next season. On to our next team. And with this, we intro in our very own Jeremy Smith. So I wonder which team we'll be previewing in a moment. Good evening to you, Jez. Hi, how you doing? Um, very well, thank you. And obviously, we're going to be talking about Mets. Unfortunately, we'll be leaving us next season, so I don't know why we might call you on again, again Jeremy, but hopefully we'll still uh, get a chance on you. But uh, I've noted this on the script, really, that it's a bit of a, a strange one for Mets this season because they started so poorly that we really expected anything of them, and they sort of kept on teasing us with a great escape, only to never really quite doing off. So it's a somewhat overwhelmingly underwhelming season in the end. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably quite complimentary of their season, to be honest. Um, it started off horrifically. I mean, I think they the first match, they, they took the lead early on against Gaggle and looked extremely comfortable and then imploded. And that kind of set the template for a lot of their season, um, apart, from, <laughs> apart from the scoring a goal bit, because... Um, I mean, they barely scored again for, for the next two or three months. Um, it, so the, 
they look dead and buried really by sort of uh, arguably end of November time and then they they really had a, a sort of a bit of a renaissance around December and particularly January and it really looked like if they carried on that form they really could sort of carry out a great escape and then it all petered out again and, and frankly the fact that they didn't get relegated until um, I think officially only until sort of two or three weeks before the end of the season um, was quite astounding and and um, I suppose probably you have to put that down to, to the, the paucity of a lot of the rest of, of Ligue 1 this year because, um, yeah, as I said, apart from that sort of six-week window, which included a winter break, um, they, they they did not look great at all. And the amazing thing about the season is is when you look at Rue and Dossovi's stats, um, you know, Rue was among the top scorers. Dossovi was, I think, the, th- the third top assister in the whole league. Um, between them, I think the Dossovi to Rue um, combination, I think, was only matched by Neymar to Cavani. Um, and it's just horrific to think um, just how bad the season could have been without those two. Um, they're, they're both almost certainly off, and you know, Messi are going to struggle to, even though they're they're in one division down, they're going to struggle to to match um, or to come close to matching what. Um, what those two achieved um and i think also you know the fact that mess pretty comfortably went down really despite what i said about it only being officialized at the end of the season um the fact that they went down with dossavi and rue in such good form says everything you need to know about what what was happening behind them um particularly in defense and when you consider that actually Nia Carte had a pretty good season in defence and earned a, a starting place in France's under-21s, it says even more about what was going on around him. So, yeah, all in all, a, a, a real season to forget. Um, still ongoing issues between fans and some of the ultra groups and, and the people in charge. Generally, everyone's very unhappy with the uh, with the, with the Serain. The, the president. Someone asked me the other day if um, they said, you know, they don't know a lot about mess. Is it is it down to the players or is it down to the president? And I said it's down to the president. And then realised that you know, in some cases, or in a lot of cases, when people say that, it's usually because it's a, you know, some dodgy character who's trying to bleed the club dry and then walk out, or whatever. In Messi's case, it's not that at all. I think it's just rank incompetence, basically. And then hopefully they'll be able, be able to bounce back like they have done most seasons recently. Um, I think they've only been in the last something crazy, like something like the last 10 years. They've only stayed in the same division two seasons in a row once. Um, so they are very much a yo-yo club. Um, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they'll go straight back up again but it, this one it does feel like possibly that they're, they're going to be in for um, a good couple of years in league because it, it does seem quite a mess behind the scenes at the moment 
yeah, there's a little bit of hope that they can yo-yo back. But uh, it was an interesting season in the end. Like you said, just they, they started off with that sort of pull back result. There was also that PSG game where for, for a long period, they were pretty competitive until Asuakoto was sent off and it sort of derailed from there. And then there was the big, long barren run. Um, and then that weird sort of moment where the th- it felt like the winter break had come at the wrong time, but then they sort of still picked it up in January. And then they still teased us in March and, and April with a couple of wins that meant points-wise, if, if teams started beating each other, that they, they might stand half chance that they, they maybe drop out of it. But I think also, and I want to get your thoughts on this, that, that obviously they they ended up bringing in uh, Freddie Kantz um, midway through the season in uh, sort of November time as it was sort of falling away. Do you think that they made that decision to change manager at the top um, a little bit too late? Or do you think that in the end, it was the, the quality in the squad and, and that eventually saw them uh, down? Um, <coughs> I think it's a bit of both. I think he could have been brought in earlier, but he definitely had time to turn things around. Um, as I said, they, they should have been well out of touch already in December or, or January, and they weren't. If they carried on the form that, that they showed in January, they'd have stayed up, not comfortably, but they could have stayed up. Um, so I, I think he did have time. It was a very, very difficult job that he was given and probably um, he should have come it or Hinchberger should have gone earlier which again it, it just it really hurts me to say because Hinchberger is clearly such a good guy and is messed through and through and probably that is the sole reason why why they, they tolerated him for so long because it was kind of you know a real sort of heart render for, for everyone involved in the club to get rid of him but um yeah, Hans probably did come in a bit too late, but he still had the time and the capability to uh, to turn things around. And yeah, whether it's down to him or the players or the people behind the scenes, I mean, he he certainly he he hasn't gone into a huge amount of detail, but he he has sort of made a few comments which have alluded to the fact that he wasn't given certain things that he was promised including for example i think he wanted a couple more players in january and certainly in different positions um he had a big falling out with um jonathan Cafu at one point in the season and felt that he wasn't given that the the uh, sort of directors didn't um make it clear that they were they were behind him and in the end they, they did give Cafu a, a sort of an internal penalty, but a, a very weak one, which Hans took as a slap in the face. So he could, I think probably with more time, I do think he probably would have kept them up just, but um, he, he, he had enough t- with everything else in his favor. He should have had enough time anyway. And just every, everything about the club this year was a mess basically. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was kind of fighting a losing battle from the moment he came in, I think. Yeah, and hindsight's always twenty twenty, isn't it? Sometimes thinking that a little bit extra time might have done them some good. But you never know these things when teams go down to, to lead there. Sometimes a season there maybe just uh, refreshes things a little bit. Um, on to um, an interesting mid-table side now in, in Gengom, um, who, Rich, it, is, it was a 
pretty interesting season for them. Really, they sort of maybe dipped a little bit too close to relegation at points. They never really looked like they were going to challenge for Europe at any point. Although they had some great performances, uh, you think about back at the season, they they had some great games against you think to Marseille and and Lyon games, but at the same time they were losing to teams at the bottom three. Um, was it too much of Quambare's side being maybe playing? too much at other teams' levels rather than maintaining their own standards of lifting themselves for those big games, but also making sure they were professional in those games that they should be winning? Uh, I think my, my concern with Gangong is <clears throat> they've they've rightfully, um, I think, you know, earned this this title of being the sort of plucky underdog who've who've mixed it with the big teams for a number, you know, Couple of, more than a couple of seasons now, <clears throat> and I think going into this, in, into each season, um, they maintain that. And I think my my fear is is that an element of complacency of well, you know, with a plucky underdog who who always stays up. My my that's my main fear. I always have with Gangon is that at some point, maintaining that attitude will will have a, a detrimental effect on the on the attitude of the players. And I think there were times this season where we perhaps saw that. Um, it's it's a, it's a very you know, they've got a pretty pretty senior squad. There's a lot of of, of very experienced players there. Um, perhaps I think what we saw this season was the real need. I think for some freshness in the team. Um, I think you saw with with the January signing of Clement Grenier, just what he can offer. Um, you know, I think from from January to, to the end of the season, you know, there there weren't many, certainly excluding the top four, there weren't many players who were who were playing as, as consistently well as him. I thought he he's had a he's had a real renaissance since moving to, to Gangon. And on the back of a few months at Gangon, it seems that he is going to now get another move because it seems that um he has this three million release clause, you know gentleman's agreement clause shall we say in his contract that will allow him to leave for for only three million and i, I still think as gangon have shown the season you keep him fit he's still a really really good player if only just to take your free kicks um you know <laughs> he's, he's scored two or three absolute cracking free kicks for gangon but i i think this season yeah i think there's 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 a danger i think of an over-reliance on these these senior players who've got obviously a lot of league and experience um, that that's not up for up for debate, but I think an over-reliance on that and, and forgetting about the need for a bit of, for a bit of sort of youthful exuberance, if you like, of, of, of the freshness and, and zip that some young players can, can, can bring. Cause I don't think, you know, we've, we've praised the likes of, of Marcus Coco and, and Ludovic Blair for, for what's felt like two or three seasons now, I don't quite think they've hit where certainly we have, have perhaps expected them to go, considering their early promise that they they show, although Ludovic Blad did score one of the goals of the season against PSG. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that, that over the summer, you know, you can't criticise the job that's been done ultimately. They've stayed in Ligue 1 and that is a great result for this team. But I wish now that they'd <clears throat> perhaps just, I don't want them to make wholesale changes to their attitude and their approach to the division because that would have, I think, severe negative uh, consequences. But I just want them to start now, just to tweak, just to start thinking. We're, you know, yes, we are, we are this sort of plucky underdog, tiny town of, you know, season tickets out outsell the number, you know, population of the town, and all this, that, and the other. 
but let's let's in, let's bring a little bit more ambition in. Let's have a bit more self belief that actually we're more than just that. We are a good footballing team. We are capable of beating you know anybody in the division. You know they they you know they play really well against some of the top teams this season. So I'm hopeful that that's what we start to see over the summer because I think if we have another season of relying on the old guard. Um, it may be a season again where they just flirt with that relegation battle a little bit too close than it's, than, than it's comfortable. So I think a bit of a bit of freshness brought into the squad, a sort of rethink of exactly what their identity is and their attitude to that is needed. And I think they'll 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 still be fine next uh, next season. Because that's the difficult thing about sides like Gangump, isn't it, Peter? That yes, they they don't quite have the budget, so you can sort of say that every time they do survive, it, it's a great deal. But you see, for example, in the Premier League this season, teams that have gone down like Stoke and West Brom that were relative fixtures for five, six, seven years, even ten years in, in Stoke's example. But once they start not having a goal to reach, like Gangump, might feel like they've gone where they feel like they're they're not really a side that faces great relegation troubles every season that you do maybe have one year where you start stagnating, you start slipping down. And that could be a thing that, um, although we've probably mentioned it before, to be fair, that that might befall them should they not try and find a way um, to continue moving forward. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we even worried this season that it might happen to them. I think it was just after January and after the winter break, they had that wretched run and that one win, I think it was the Wren win. And then no wins aside from that in a couple of month period. And, there is that potential with, with Gangon. I, I, I agree definitely about the impetus thing. I think that the impact of Grenier speaks speaks volumes. Um, there is definitely a sense that there needs to be a change, especially especially in midfield. Um, Diallo's had a great season, but he's getting on a bit now. Dido's 34. They're relying on him. And they brought in some uh, Lebegang Piri in, in, in the summer, hoping to you know freshen up in midfield. And he just wasn't able to compete physically, really, in Liga. And... You know that's and as which was saying, you know the young the young players we've always lauded. We're really yet to see that. We really get to see that consistency. And Comboare loves to rotate. He rotates all the time, and I think that slightly hinders them a little bit. But you know, none of them have taken the scruff of the neck. Not even Saliba. And Saliba's had a really poor season in comparison to the last. I mean, it's not been helped by the the double window shenanigans where you know I think it was Hull before and then. And last summer it was San Etienne and it's just like he's, he's on the verge of leaving and this time he hasn't come back into play. Um, so there's definitely a sense that they need to reinvigorate their squad a little bit and obviously resources are an issue. But even Brion, you could say, I mean, he scored 11 goals. He's their top scorer again. He's a great leader. But this, the impact that he had last year, for example, I mean, they were fantastic at counter-attacking side, um, really enjoy, uh, enjoyable to watch. I think we haven't really seen that this year. And part of it's been defensive problems and there's been rotation at the back. You know, Sorbonne's 34 and he's been dropped in and out for Oboa Oboa, but that's sort of unsettled them a little bit. Johnson in goal hasn't been the stable force he, he used to be. He's had a couple of errors this season as well. So there's little bits that have meant that they haven't progressed as much as we would like them to think. But then at the same time, there's also the sense that, you know, expectations have, are morphed with Gangol. You know, there is that side. They are a small club. Um, and I think, yeah, if they can reinvigorate in the same way that, that Grenier brought in into their attacking play at the very least, then they, they'll be able to push on again, hopefully. But yeah, that, that risk is always there. And, but I think with Comboire at the helm, they've, they've got a good manager who's a good leader within, uh, within the dressing room. 
um, that will keep them in check. They they just need to maybe morph a little bit, adapt really more maybe to survive to, to go on another season. On to um, the surprise package, I think we can definitely say for this season, and that's Ami and Jez. They, they performed miracles, many would say, and I don't think you could have thought that last this time last season when they had that moment in the final day of the league their season where the very last second they scored that goal that saw them into to Liga um, that felt like that that might be the high point of this season because many thought that they would be the whipping boys it would be a very difficult time for them but other than anything they've completely um, supplemented that um, that expectation they've been tremendous they've had some really big results. The draw against PSG will, will live long in the memory of some of their fans, certainly. They finished a solid 13th above teams like Angers and Caen, Lille and Toulouse. Uh, it's been a fairy tale for them, hasn't it? I think they've, they've been fantastic. I mean, one of the, certainly one of the most underrated teams in the division. And I think we've all discussed before how um, Pellissier was very unlucky not to be nominated um, as one of the coaches of the season. Um, yeah, as you said, sort of 96th, 97th minute of the last match of the season, absolutely amazing scenes and, you know, went very, very viral on Twitter and you sort of thought, well, you know, that's as good as it's going to get for them and, and they're going to go straight back down again. Um, again, just sort of referring a bit to Mess earlier on, they, they went... Um, up two seasons in a row from the Nacional and, and kept more or less the same team and it was too much for them. It was a young team, but the the jump from Nacional to Ligue 2 was one thing, but from Ligue 2 to Ligue 1 was, was too much. So I don't think there were many people at all who were expecting Amiens to have a chance to stay up. But not only have they stayed up, they stayed up relatively com- comfortably and not only has it been comfortable, but for the most part, it's been playing decent football as well. And... You know, you just look through the, the whole team that there's just a really good spine there. of Gertner in goal, you've got players like um, Dibassi uh, in, in defence. You've got um, Montconduit, I think, has been, you know, a really good, um, I was going to say work workhorse, but that's a bit unfair. But, you know, the, the kind of player that any any team needs, you know, someone who's going to work really hard and, and get stuck in in midfield. You've got Kakuta, who was one of those, um, you know, artist formerly known as the next Zidane who never really um, went anywhere with his career but has you know really had a, a fantastic season as, the, as the, the main playmaker and I guess the talisman of the team. You've got Canate scoring the goals and also you kind of have to remember that um, they lost Ndombele earlier in the season um, who you know we've seen what a great player he's been already for, for Lyon this year. Um, you know, he he. I think probably first came to a lot of people's attention when he he had a man of the match performance for Amiens against PSG before he even moved to Lyon. So, um, you know, to to lose a player like that, any any team you'd think would struggle to lose a player like like Ndombele, but Amiens, you know, seamlessly sort of moved on and and done as I said a lot better than I think anyone could have could have dreamed of and. And you know certainly, you know there's, there's been there was an incident off the pitch with with the the problems with the stadium against Lille and um, the the president not acting as well as he might have done. But certainly on the pitch, I think they you know they've only gained friends this season. Yeah, absolutely. Took hats off to them, and we we'll be delighted to see them next season. So and and the thing I think the other thing that that would will will go. Perhaps unnoticed is just that it's that defense. 
you know, fourth fourth best defence in the division. Only PSG, Montpellier and Nantes conceded fewer goals, which for a newly promoted team containing, as Jess said, many players who were in the third tier, you know, three seasons ago, I think is, is, is absolutely incredible. So um, looking forward to seeing what happens next year. Yeah, absolutely. That That's the thing to take away. I think it's much harder to do that kind of record than score lots of goals. Being a very solid uh, defensive team when coming up is a really, really tough thing to do, especially for, for a lot of sides that, that make it into bigger leagues. And credit to them, credit to Policia, who's been tremendous and, and should have really got that award, let's be honest. <laughs> um, on to um, one of my favourite teams this season, even though they they were sort of a mid-table side, and they, but they really cut the mustard for me and many people. Um, was was Dijon, but they had a terrific home record this season. Rich, they, they, no one really wanted to face them at home, and at the same time as well, a couple of players that you might want to watch out for the World Cup. Thinking of, of players like Quan and and Naim Sleety, who had both tremendous seasons for a side that played attacking football and entertaining football on a weekly basis, and sometimes that's something. We maybe take for granted in some leagues, but in Ligue 1, especially a, a, an attacking team is maybe a little bit of a rarity. Uh, absolutely. I think just to, to go back on that, I think Quan, a fantastic player, probably you know up there with one of Dijon's best. I think he's picked up an injury, actually, which has ruled him out of the World Cup. So as horrible as that is for him, from a Dijon perspective, it, it sh- you know they, they, would, they would hope to see the, the positive from obviously a very bad, sad situation for the player. But that may see him at least stay with with Dijon, certainly for the first half of, of next season, because you know he, he was excellent, um, you know a real real standout player, especially because he wasn't you know, many many times he was popping up you know coming off the bench. So to to hit double figures without actually having a a secure regular starting spot, I think was uh, a real testament to how well he played. But no, Dijon as a whole, I think they were another team. I think that perhaps. Um, went beyond many many people's expectations. Um, I think a lot of people would have had them as as another one to, to really be struggling to avoid relegation all season. And that, that really hasn't particularly been the case. I think at, at one point, certainly earlier in the year, you know, they were they were flirting with the, the you know, possible idea of, of even finishing within a, a European spot. So it's been an absolutely fantastic season for them. I think what has underpinned it has been has been that home form. Um, I think that has been terrific. Um, only the only the teams that finished in the top four took more points from their home games than than Dijon. Um, and it's you know it, it's that 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 old adage, isn't it? As if as a as a team, if you're not going to be you know one of the big boys, it's at least make your your home ground a really difficult place for teams to come. And that's exactly what Dijon have done. There's been some big teams that have gone there and have been completely overwhelmed by how how well Dijon play you know they're they're not a sit back and and um you know allow teams to come on they're they're keen to get forward uh, i don't think necessarily their their final goal tally would would show that but they are quite a quite an attacking team um they are perhaps a little focused uh, and and a, a bit too reliant on two or three players um, I think they'd like to share that that workload out a little bit, um, but it's been a fantastic season. I've I've enjoyed seeing them. They've, they seem to always take part in entertaining games, um, for for one reason or another. So again, they're another team that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if they can, you know, kick on another gear um, next season. 
yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting to see where they where the the chips sort of lie for them next season, heading into a, another interesting campaign. Um, on to uh, and a team that certainly will interest our English audiences, especially because he's leaving now. At least anyway, that's Claudio Ranieri's note. He's one solo season at the club. Peter Le Canary. It was started so well it seemed like he'd maybe helped buy this side from the terrific end it had under Sergio Conceição and, and fighting for Europe but it just slowly petered away the relationship between him and the president while the Mercator just just faded at the same time as well uh, it always looked like it was just straining to the point of breaking and it did in the end and there's um potential rumours that there was supposedly Jocelyn Govanek heading on a flight to to Nantes earlier today, so maybe he might be the one taking the step now. But looking back at Ranieri's year, it went very similar to his tenure of Liverpool, uh, um, Leicester, sorry, the, the two seasons of it. It went quite high for a while, but then slowly dipped back into it. But at the same time, it was much more of a classic Ranieri side than, than that exciting uh, title-winning side with Leicester. Yeah, it was definitely a more a classic Ranieri. And if you were to compare it to Leicester, it'd be like the whole of his time at Leicester condensed into a season. Um, he did start so well, and then, you know, and, and that showed the signs. You know, oh, the league was a place to be, you know, uh, for Renaissance for players and, and managers too. And it, there was certainly an element to that. And, and we saw a side that was capable of grinding out results, firm defensively. He, he built from the back as, as he's always done, um, and would nick the odd goal and, and would, would pick up points and. They were in fifth in, in pole position through Europa League spot for the majority of the campaign. Um, and to finish where they have done, um, you know, it's really, really disappointing um, from his perspective and, and, and for the club. The, the, obviously, the, with Ranieri, there was the, the talk of him being linked with the Italy job. Um, the surprisingly open when it came to that as well. And, and obviously, with Valdo Marchetto, is not one to shy away from media conversations either. Um, I think on the whole, for, for non, you, they've got to be pleased with um, the, the basis they've got. I think there have been some, some fantastic standout performers, especially defensively. I think picking up Palois, for example, was a great addition. Um, Dubois has really come on and, and shown himself to be a, a leading light at, at fullback too. Um, I think uh, Tatarasanu, of course, has been their, their signing of the season, you, you could possibly say, in goal. has been something of a revelation and... I think there was also that side to it in those early days when they were picking up those those uh, narrow margin results that they were relying on him especially to, to make some fantastic stops, um, holding up their back line of Carlos and Lima. And I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, especially when we just come off Dijon, I mean, the, the, the contrast between the two is, is so profound that it's quite nice that... Um, well, it's quite fitting, not nice, nice is definitely the wrong word for about what I'm about to say, um, that that not did fall away a little bit. And we did see the, the more attacking sides making the, the mark for, for for Europe next season. Because if you think about from a, from a I don't know, from thinking a bit more broadly here on a brand perspective, Nantes and, and the way Ranier was playing going into Europe, it doesn't really, it doesn't carry the same appeal and and uh, pizzazz that you would, you would want from a side going and, and being an ambassador for the league in a sense. Um, but yeah, I think the way the season panned out was, was disappointing um, to finish where they did, finish outside the European spots, especially when, we, as we've mentioned already, the way that sides like Rennes and Nice, and we'll talk about Sanity and, and Bordeaux later, have just had those massive fluctuations and not were there, they were the staple and they were firm, they were holding out and then they just started to, to drop points 
those one nil wins started to dry up. They became nil nils, and then there were sloppy goals being conceded, and then we see the the Ranieriness sort of contract on itself. Um, and that's how it's ended up, unfortunately. So it's, it's a real shame on that part. Um, but yes, um, for Ranieri, well, how would you score him? I guess that's the question. And I think, especially after Leicester, um, you would you would hope that it would you know, be the nice... He talked about the Breton breeze, giving him a new sense of life and whatever else. But it hasn't really worked out like that. The rain's got to him a little bit. Maybe a five out of ten, if you maybe being a little bit kind, but but Jez, at the same time, maybe it highlights the job that Conte Sao did. Really, that this squad maybe wasn't really strong enough, and Ranieri, it, to give him some credit, at least anyway, got quite a bit out of that squad in the first half of the season. When, in, in fairness, there wasn't too much of, of a team to deal with because we do cast our mind back to sort of um, the midpoint of the. 16-17 season that this non team was near relegation and and the Portuguese man um, really lifted them out of the gutter so for Ranieri to continue that at least for a time um, maybe a bit of a testament to how well he was and, and how much again that Nantes maybe need to reinvest in the summer um, I think it, it certainly shows that the players there have got some kind of ability and I don't know if it's that you know compared to others there's certain limitations in it and it takes a good manager to to bring the best out of them or maybe i'm not going to say attitude problems but maybe there, there's players that need a certain kind of man management to, to push them to their best because as you said halfway through last season they looked a mess Conseil sal did a, a brilliant job sort of doing more than a recovery it looked like he was you know, had he stayed, they'd have really been been set to to have a, a good season this year. I think it was a big pity he didn't stay. There was an interview with with um, one of the non players. I can't remember who this week, where he was really sort of singing Conseil Sal's praises and and saying how how devastated that the changing room was when when he announced that he was leaving. Um, and then, as as Peter said, the first half of this season under Ranieri looked excellent, possibly not as entertaining to watch as as Conte Sal's team but you know defensively extremely strong and um, able to get get those results um, and then they fell away again which um, again drawing on the sort of Leicester experience maybe says something about Ranieri and and you know I, I don't know if it's that not a soft touch but it seemed like you know with Leicester the first year with all the stuff about the pizzas when when uh, you know, buying pizza for the for the team when they kept a clean sheet, and, and then it seemed maybe he was kind of too pally pally with the, with the team. I don't know if that's what happened with with Nantes as well, but um, it did follow the same pattern. And you do feel that there's there's a talented team there waiting to to do something if they have the the right boss. Um, you know, it sounds like Gouvenet is going to be that boss. He's obviously coming off not the greatest experience in the end of Bordeaux. Um, I really hope that, that that he manages to do something with Nantes because I'm a big fan of his. But um, I do worry that, um, you know, it felt like he lost the changing room at Bordeaux. Um, and I wonder if they need someone who, um, who sort of has... <laughs> say more of an iron fist than, than Gulvenek seems to have um, just to sort of keep them um, keep them on the on the right sort of wavelength or the right path um, I hope it works out because they've got you know they've got such a great heritage they're such a great club within French football but 
it does feel like there's been a, a few too many wilderness years and the the constant changes in 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 coaches isn't i don't think it's helping them at all and a lot of the team is still quite young and um i don't think they're being given the chance to to really develop if they're because of the fact that you know each year or even twice a year they're 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 coming under different leadership yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting to see what direction they do go in. Should Govanet be the man to get the job? We're at the halfway stage now. So this is where we say adieu to uh, Rich, uh, Peter and Jez. Thank you all of you for joining us this evening. Thank you. Well, enjoy the rest of your, your time and your summer off. Thanks very much. And at this point, with our half-time oranges in our mouths, we're going to introduce two substitutes in and what better ones to bring on? It's almost like bringing on Gareth Bale at the Champions League final as well. It's bringing on, yeah, he's giggling right there. And we've got our very own Adam White and uh, the returning Eric Devin as well for this second half and some terrific teams. And we're going to start with your side, Eric, in Lyon, who have had a sort of ebbed and flowed season, really. They started terrifically. They had that big dip sort of January, February time where we were questioning whether they would uh, really challenge for Champions League or if they were drifting away. And they slowly built back into it after they fell out of the Europa League and have ended up with an automatic Champions League space, which was the goal, really, at the start of the season. Does that mean this season was a success? I think it, it was a season of hints at success. I, I think that... There were a lot of questions, obviously, last summer, given the the, the amount of flux that Leon's squad had had. The departures of Gonalone, Lacazette, Toliso, and Valbuena uh, had left Leon shorn of almost all their attacking talent. Uh, even Fakir, you know, he was staying, yes, but his attitude, his his fitness was a big question mark. There were a lot of questions and surprise even when Genesio made him captain. And the players they brought in, certainly going back to Depay, but Adi and Traore, Mariano, Ferlaumendi, uh, Tangi and Dambele, these players had been looked at as being bright prospects, but were they yet of the caliber, were they already at that level, that is to say, to bring Leon back in the Champions League? So I think that the fact that they did achieve that is certainly success, but I also have to wonder how much better this team could have done in the Europa League? How much could this team have maybe even, maybe given PSG a little bit more to think about in terms of the title? And I know I know they finished quite a way back and behind Monaco as well, but I think a lot of this was down to depth and planning. That, that last dip you mentioned there in January and February, I do think that being so reliant on such a cadre of young players, that is to say, uh, our and Dombele, Tussar, midfield in particular, uh, but also players a little bit older, looking at, looking at Jeremy Morel in particular. It's difficult to balance that sort of squad without the necessary depth. And I think that Leon could have had a better season, both domestically and, and in Europe, had they plumped to add a few more players. Uh, looking particularly at another center back, I, I think we've seen uh, Mukhtar Diakabi you know, I hope it pans out for him, but I, I get a, a feeling that this player is just really not ready for prime time. He was terrible again in the under-21s and they're friendly against Switzerland the other day. And uh, we saw that match near the end of the season where he was culpable for really all three goals, if you want to look at it that way. And I just feel like investment in another defensive midfielder uh, to give two-star cover to allow him to be rested when, he, when there's a chance for that uh, and to have a 
third quality center back would have allowed Leon to have a much better season. Uh, would they have won the Europa League? I'm not saying that, no, but I'm saying losing in the manner that they did to Seska was really disappointing. And I think really, even with that, that late surge and that the surge in form in, in terms of Traore and Depay towards the end is great to see and gives me a lot of hope for next season, but this team has clear areas in which they need to invest. So should we be happy? Yes, but should we be, should we be cautious? Uh, yes, as well, especially with Fekir potentially on the way out. And that that's really been the story this season. This season hasn't it, Eric? The the, the two players really in, in in each half really Fekir, especially in the first half of the season, probably the best player in league and then again a, a little bit of a knock sort of side railed him, and and then it was maybe difficult for him to to fully get back into the flow of things quite at the level that he was. But then the person who stepped up, especially in the last couple of months in the season, was Memphis Depay, who at the same time we've mentioned at times that he could get distracted. He, he tried a little bit too much, but this season, Genesio maybe did the right thing of pulling him out the side when he needed to, saying that he wasn't ready for these big games because he wasn't good enough defensively. He'd come on and score the, the winning goal in a couple of them, but didn't quite have the impact that he, that he wanted. But at the same time, in the last two months especially, that for the Dutchman, who was the one I want to focus on really, um, he's been tremendous and possibly with, if should Fekir go, um, he should be their main focal point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing to take away from this too is that he's playing a role that I think suits him a little bit more. He's given a little bit more freedom. Now, the reason he initially struggled, Leon started the season playing a 4-2-3-1 with Fakir as the 10 and Depay playing out wide. Now, can he have success there? Yes, but it's limited because, again, tactically playing a two-man midfield and with, with Fakir ahead of those two, it does require Depay to track back and to work a little bit harder to get the best out of the likes of Leon's left backs, Mendy and Marcel. And I think that he did struggle with, with that. There's no doubting his attacking talent. Even his raw numbers from last season, that is 2016-17 after joining Leon, were still fairly impressive uh, despite being a half season. But I think that playing him as he's been used in the recent past by Leon, that is uh, partnered, partnered with Traore and at the head of a 4-3-1-2, has gotten the best out of him because it allows him freedom from defensive responsibility and a freedom to pick and choose his spots on the pitch as befits his his style of play. And I think that as much as Leon fans would like to slag off Genesio for some tactical, questionable tactical decisions he's made in the past, I think that that switch back to that diamond, which again, we should recall, did so well for them in 2014-15, uh, really has made all the difference in Depay's form. And that of Traore as well. I, I believe he scored 10 or 11 goals in the second half of the season. So he's a player who's also really come on under that system as well. So really a massive credit to Genesio for uh, being adept enough tactically to get the best out of these two players, uh, particularly Depay, who you know I think it, were it not for Neymar's reputation would probably uh, have deserved a place in the league on team of the season. Yeah, and you you think now with those players maybe coming to the fore late that it does soften the blow of a, of a Fakir possibly leaving with a Mariano Diaz getting plenty of goals and maybe adding um, another player to that mix maybe just uh, gives them a little bit extra for, for next season and a team that will be certainly looking towards next season and hoping they're still in a league side really even at this point, um, Adam, is Lille who've had quite frankly, really, and I think this is putting it kindly, have had an awful season, really. It could still get worse because the DNCG might still automatically relegate them. We sort of wait for them to, to absolutely confirm um, Lido's uh, 
status in the Liga next season. But at the same time, it took those three games in the end of the season, those two, three victories to to keep them up. And it's a good job they did because on the final day of the season, they, they were beaten 5-1 and only finished two points above Toulouse in the end. And obviously, if they wouldn't have picked up a three points elsewhere, they would have been in the, uh, the relegation playoff themselves. But there was a lot of changing in the summer last time it factors in that there's probably going to be a bit more changing to come uh, this summer, given that this season has been essentially a write-off. Yeah, um, I think it really has been a bit of a write-off. And when you look at their sort of medium-term future, it really looks pretty bleak. Um, the DNCG are scheduled to make their sort of, well, they're sort of the meeting with Jared Lopez tomorrow morning, whether to sort of, whether they're going to, you know, hand down a, a, a relegation-style punishment as they have in the past if he hasn't isn't able to meet this sort of 25 million euro deficit that started at 40 million, um, but the sale of Martin Terrier in in uh, in the January window sort of, you know, made a bit of a dent on that 15 million, but they've still got to make up this 25 million sort of gap, and whether that they've been able to do that since, you know, not being able to buy players in the January transfer window themselves. Um, is really open to debate. And, you know, we could be this time tomorrow talking about Lille in Ligue 2 and Lille in real trouble of, you know, further financial issues and, and being demoted further, possibly. I don't know, that the, the DNCG could be extremely strict. So, you know, it's a bit of a... It's, it's, the future is pretty much open for, for Lille. And you look at their next their next sort of six months, and if they stay in Ligue 1, you're sort of thinking, what are the best and what are the worst-case scenarios? Worst-case scenario, obviously, is they get relegated, and that they perhaps even get relegated further. You know, they drop down the divisions, as has happened with other clubs. Um, but even at the, the other end of the spectrum, you look at their best-case scenario, you know, I you know, I don't see Lopez going anywhere. And should he stay, which I imagine he will, if they stay in Liga, they don't really have the cash to, to develop the squad. And it's an extremely young team. And you, you look at sort of Kevin Malqui and... Uh, and uh, Ibrahim Amadou and Thiago Mendes as the senior players, and they're all sort of 25, 26. So they need experience. So you can imagine that the best they can hope for is that, you know, they, they sign some free agents, some experienced league and players, which has been discussed a lot, particularly Lewis Campos, to say, you know, they needed, the, they needed that experience that they sort of cut, cut away quite, quite dramatically last time under Bielsa. So they'll be looking to sort of to bring in a few experienced heads, maybe sell one or two more players, um, but the, the, the promise that Gerard Lopez bought when he when he purchased uh, Lille, you know, 18 months ago now, has completely evaporated, and it doesn't look like it doesn't look like sort of returning anytime soon. And yeah, it could genuinely get worse even if they stay in Ligue 1 next season because you know the the, the 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 chance to develop the quality of the squad is is pretty pretty minimal. So, um, yes, tough times ahead for Lille, and and tomorrow is their kind of D Day, if you like. You know, if they do manage to overcome this DNCG you know, investigation, if you like, then even then they've still got some, they've still got a lot of battles to fight between now and the end of next season. So, um, bleak times ahead and uh, I don't really see it getting too much better even if they do stay in Ligue 1. Well, that's the thing if they do stay in Ligue 1, it almost has to be sort of a, a soft reset essentially of maybe selling, selling Amadou finally if, if some teams are still interested at the price they were in January. You think that maybe um, the, the, the second half of the season Nicola Pepe had with scoring goals and finally finding his feet that maybe there might be interest again in him to get themselves the money and, and essentially using those three million, four million, five million pound deals um, from those sort of sales where you're expecting 15 million plus and, and really re- try and retool this squad as somewhere with, with more league and experience, maybe with getting those young players a, a, a little bit of freedom and a little bit more, 
well, less pressure than they clearly had this season that that sort of suffocated them for long periods of the season. But like you say there, Adam, there's a, a big deadline coming up for them, and it's a, it'll be a big day ahead for them that they hope that the DNCG don't come with the with the big hammer that they sometimes usually do when they are taught to league and clubs. But on to on to a side that again we'll. we'll have a few of these in the second half really had had a topsy-turvy season really Eric in Bordeaux um, they were a side that we mentioned at the start of the season under Govanek had maybe a chance of fighting for Europe it completely dramatically backfired on him in the first half of the season was was abysmal there was there was there were some great moments right near the start where Malcolm looked like it uh, like it was going to be an unbelievable world beater the, the whole team fell off the cliff there was the strange um, Brazilian contingent and the uh, the social media issue that they had there. They ended up bringing in Gus Poye, which felt like a bit of a, I know from some quarters, a bit of a joke appointment really in some eyes, but he's rebuilt. He had that sort of flash when he first took over and then they regressed again. But then all of a sudden a search late on, um, probably because also the middling sides around them um, sort of not quite grasping it themselves. And they've sort of surged eventually into the Europa League for next season, which uh, might be, not necessarily be as good as it might sound, but what what happened under Gus Poya that really transformed that in that la- especially that last sort of five, six, seven games where they really surged up the table against arguably teams they should be beating, but at the same time, uh, a tremendous turnaround for them to get European football again. Yeah, I think it was just a matter of of Poye having having younger having younger players to work with. I think that. The faith he's put in, uh, we look at Jules Koundé, I think he's definitely the standout in that regard, but also giving more of an opportunity to uh, Sodio Mete, who, who came in on loan from Monaco. I, I think that he made a big difference uh, by adding a little bit more dynamism to that midfield. You know, Lerier, uh, the, the Danish midfielder, is a, a decent player, but I think he's a little bit more prosaic, whereas Mete, I think, adds a little bit more to that team going forward. So I think allowing that team to be more forward-thinking but also, you know, trusting in players who, you know, might not have had a chance. And Yaroslav Flasiel also started quite a bit down the back end of the season. I think that that's, that's someone who's surprisingly made a difference. I know even at 36 years old, he did really well. Um, and also banishing a player like an Otavio, who, you know, we barely saw anything. Of. Same thing with Jonathan Kafu. Uh, players who Poye didn't think were making the grade, he was pretty quick to dispense with them. In some regards, that was a little bit surprising. Look particularly at maybe Valentin Bada, who had an excellent season last season, but has sort of been persona non grata this season. Um, so I think Poye, s- simply his his fiery nature, which will be well known to uh, people in the UK, but I, I think also his his ability to make make tough calls about players who aren't willing to submit to his, me- his methods and, and and fall in line, for lack of a better phrase. Um, I, I think that he instilled in Bordeaux a, a sort of grittiness and a drive. Uh, that maybe had been a little bit lacking, I think, particularly under Gorbanek, as we saw them be a bit more of a flare side. But I think that Bordeaux, at their best in the in the run-in, were definitely a little bit more imposing, a little bit more physical. Uh, thinking also about having Pablo come back in, who a player that most thought would never feature for the club again after leaving on loan and the issues of attitude that surrounded him. So, yeah, really making the best of the circumstances. I mean, I don't want to... The other thing I should say here is that I don't want to hang too much on Bordeaux making the Europa League. That could have been Nice. That could have been Saint-Étienne. It was really, you know, they were really the best of a, a mediocre bunch um, of, of the sides that were contending for that. But that said, you know, well done considering where they were 
um, when Puya came in to further develop some of these young players uh, and and also have this team have a, have a personality, which I think that they didn't for large stretches of, of the beginning of the season. Even doing so well in that first half dozen matches or whatever, whatever it was before the loss to PSG, I still don't think that uh, Bordeaux necessarily had a, an identity. And um, I think that that's something we did see this team come into. The Europa League, I, I do want to say, yeah, blessing in disguise. Also, you know, if but uh, if Malcolm leaves, that, that does allow them to get perhaps a jump on their season and to get into decent form by the time the league rolls around. Um, if they get a, a you know decent draw, they should be able to progress to the group stages without too much of an issue. Um, but, I mean, there are some, you know, Rangers, for example, uh, are an unseated potential opponent from in that second qualifying round they could be placing. So it might be a little bit hard, harder, uh, easier said than done for Bordeaux, rather, in the Europa League. But I think there's a lot to look forward to from this team going forward, particularly if that money... Uh, that is made from that potential sale of Malcolm is, is wisely reinvested in similarly uh, young attackers. Yeah. And that's, that's the interesting thing going forward. I mean, we mentioned them qualifying for Europa League last season and they sort of managed to throw it away quite early and uh, hopefully that they, they don't uh, befall the same fate of sort of being maybe a little bit too arrogant in those uh, qualifying stages. And, uh, and at the same time, it, it I do wonder if whether uh, it feels like Malcolm would go, but at the same time, it feels like for what money and what club will come in for him at the moment. It does seem like a, maybe because he he sort of quietened down after such a fast start that uh, it might be a, a little bit of an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, on to the other team that really was was uh, Jekyll and Hyde this season, maybe is the best way to put it, Adam. And that Santetti and Leve were, were especially after the 5-0 thrashing against Leon, where... where um, Oscar Garcia decided to leave. They, they were sort of in free fall for a long while before the uh, the winter break, and John Louis Gasset eventually sort of got them slowly going with a with a couple of uh, shrewd January moves and, and players starting to finally find their feet and find a rhythm. They played some really great football, really, at the end of the season through Hamuma and Cabela. They had a few really good results and, and started scoring goals, which feels like a, a world away for a Lever side. But at the same time, they almost made Europe. They they just missed out in the end, really, and it was a tough ask for them so at the same time but I think my question really is is we mentioned at the end of last season that obviously Christophe Galtier was leaving it was a chance for them to try something new but at the same time the fact that he did have a sustained success at a certain level with a certain style for so long did that end up hurting them a little bit more this season and then next season might be the time where they maybe push back to where we might have hoped they would be this season quite possibly I think it's a really interesting point because you know, given his tenure was, what, eight, nine years, perhaps, um, you see it with other clubs in that, you know, after a long managerial stint, which is obviously quite uncommon these days, it's not sort of 20 or 30 years ago when eight, nine years in charge of a club was pretty pretty commonplace. Um, after the, you know, after the a manager, after a long stint leaves, you get a little bit of a, a bit of a hangover, a bit of a downturn, and, and clubs can struggle in the wake of that, that sort of the ending of an era, if you like, and for, for Cessnetian and Gautier, it certainly was an ending of an era. You know, Gautier took them from relegation threatened to European regulars over, over the course of those sort of eight seasons, and which he did a fantastic job. I think, though, that the hangover from Gautier wasn't necessarily, you know, that kind of that may perhaps a, a sort of hangover that fills that 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 kind of box of uh, you know the end of an era. It was almost from the way he he set up the team and the club. Gautier 
um, is is sort of infamously, or you know, whichever way you look at it, famously perhaps, is a very sort of conservative and astute coach, and he doesn't necessarily, or in fact, very rarely, especially in the last four or five years of his of his stay at Sanetian, produce attacking football or look to play particularly expansively. He's, you know, he gets the best out of what became over over those seasons. You know, starting with players like Aubameyang, Matuidi, Pyatt was there for a bit. You know, they had some very good players to start with, but by the end, it was a very mediocre squad and a very uninspiring squad and a squad that lacked creativity. But he was still finishing, you know, top six, top eight, quite comfortably and challenging for the Champions League in sort of two or three years ago. And, you know, when Oscar Garcia came in, he had an okay start and it, it sort of trailed off. And that Leon defeat obviously was a huge, huge confidence, you know, blow. And, you know, the, the club looked completely sort of desolated after that. Um, but that they kind of struggled to recover from the fact that the squad that he sort of assembled was actually really quite run of the mill and on paper wasn't really a top half league on side. So especially with players like Hamuma and like Parang getting older, you know, it was one that wasn't just sort of average. It was sort of on the wane as well. So for for Sanetian to recover from that was always going to be difficult. And obviously the circumstances surrounding Oscar Garcia made it even more difficult because over the winter in particular, they just looked completely destroyed. That 5-0 defeat to Leon, the circumstances in which it occurred and the fact that Garcia left and, you know, brought Julian Sabler in and he didn't really have much impact. You could see that he was a little bit out of his depth and, of course, didn't have the right, the right sort of qualifications and Gasset was sort of, in, you know, waiting in the wings and sort of helping along before actually taking over. There was a, there was a defeat to Bordeaux, I seem to remember, they were in the middle of the season. They lost three 0 and Mendy scored a couple of really good goals, which is a pretty rare occurrence in itself. Um, they, they just looked like a defeated team, and it was struggling. It was it was a bit like Lille did for some parts of the season, and it was I was struggling to see how they were going to get out of this 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 slump. And I think for their season as a whole, huge credit has to go to Jean Louis Gasset. You know, it, it wasn't going to be an overnight fix for them. You know, it was something that he slowly gave the team confidence. He slowly worked his ideas into the way they played. And as you said, by the end of the season, they were playing some good football and they were scoring goals, which is, you know, very un-Gautier-like. So it's always, it was always going to take a long time to get over that Gautier reign in a number of respects, but they they manage it. And I think Gasset deserves huge credit. Just looking at just one final point on that, just looking at the end of the season, from the 27th of January, when they beat Caen 2-1, then they lost twice until the end of the season. And those were in two of the last three games. They went sort of 13, 14 games undefeated in Ligue 1, which is really quite impressive considering where they were to start with. So huge credit to Gasset. And, you know, they, they might finally move on from, from Gautier 100% next season. And that's the interesting thing as well with potential new owners on the horizon, rumours of that, American uh, investors possibly looking at the club and the fact that they might not have Gasset as their manager, they might they may plump for someone else as well. does uh, leave a little bit of intrigue uh, for next season for, for Saint-Étienne and seeing where they, they might head next, whether it will be another uh, charge for European places. Um, on to Strasbourg, who um, in the end did what they needed to do in terms of staying in Ligue 1, really, Eric, because that was their main goal. And then hopefully for next well, the following season to sort of consolidate that and start to be, build the way with a new stadium and everything like that and work that way and become a more stable league and club. But the, the thing that impressed me this season, other than um, the stalwart really of Dimitri Leonard um, popping up at the big moments, was the fact on the big night, Strasbourg were the team to do the big performance. You think back to the game at home to Marseille, especially at home at least anyway, um, the win against Paris Saint-Germain as well, which was a real shocker and the one that did finally see them safe against them. Um, against Leon. Now, they went on a terrible run, really, in the second half of the season, but at the same time, when it needed, when it mattered, they came big. 
Right. I, I also don't think that we should undersell that injuries had, had, uh, took their role in, in this to some extent. Uh, Kenny Lala, who has been, I think, one of their better players this season, missed some time. Uh, so did Aulu, so did Leonard. And I, I don't think we, we can we undersell that. Benjamin Cornier, Martin Terrier. I think that you'll find if you look back in terms of fitness and suspension, uh, when players were missing for, for Strasbourg, I think that was really um, an issue there. Nuno de Costa missed a handful of matches as well, if I recall correctly. But yeah, I, I think really a creditable first season back in back in the division. Thierry Lorraine serves an immense amount of credit for not only having this team playing playing well, uh, but also playing forward thinking football. And I, I think that you know even if we look at the departures, they're likely to suffer this season. Uh, they sold Isan Sacco in the winter window. Terrier, of course, is going to be with Leon next season. Uh, Aulu has been linked with the move away as well. I still think there's a, a lot to be said for his aesthetics, for his gumption in terms of sticking to his choices and keeping this team playing positively when that might necessarily be the obvious option for Strasbourg. Uh, and, and it was eventually, as you rightly say, a very tight race to stay afloat. So yeah, I think a massive amount of credit to the manager, a massive amount of credit to the uh, the transfer team there as well for bringing in players that um, you know might have been sort of cast aside. Bakary Coney, I think, had a decent season as well, who might not have always been the obvious choice, but might be, um, but but might have had something to prove, as it were. Uh, they've been linked recently, I think, on the GFN Twitter feed today with Johan Pele to replace the combination of Kamara and Okija and goal. I think that could be a step up. I'm not saying this team's going to struggle for, or going to contend for Europe, but I think that having Loray at the reins next season and, and keeping a decent amount of these players with his ability to not only improve players, but to uh, offer a, a kind of positive football that could be attractive to players who might uh, be looking elsewhere, I think is, is a really good combination for this club. And of course they have great, Great fan support every time watching a match being broadcast there. I was, I was always like, taken with that as well. So, yeah, very, very solid season for Strasbourg. There's nothing to really complain about. Uh, perhaps they did have it end up being a little bit closer than they would like, but I think there's a lot to be said for the way that this team and, uh, collectively and individually came on as the season progressed. Um, so, well done. And again, we've mentioned it a few times this season. It's nice for a team coming up from League 2 to have a plan about how they want to be a team in Liga, because even Liga teams don't sometimes have some kind of plan. At least Strasbourg have that idea. They're they're thinking, well, we want a a better stadium. We want we want to keep attracting the great fans that we have and creating that atmosphere. We want to be a stable side that can produce their own players as well as um, attract some uh, extras. And it'll be interesting to see how they try and move on to what would be stage two of their league and adventure um, next season. Um, on to another side that have had a, 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 surprise, well, a surprising season to many, um, at, given that last season they did struggle for long periods, Adam, and that's Montpellier. They, they've been incredible defensively, no doubt about it this season. But at the same time, will there be a little bit of a tinge of disappointment that they were in those Europa League places and in around there for such a long time to sort of dip themselves out and finish in 10th in the end? Maybe a li little bit of disappointment, but at the same time, at the start of the season, I'm pretty certain they would have bitten your hand off the mid-table after after the season before. Yeah, I really think they 
they would have been your hand off after the, the their last last game where they finished fifteenth and were you know only just sort of scraped out of the relegation zone on the last in the last sort of towards the end they lost the last five games but they were pretty pretty close to getting in trouble there. Um, from Montpellier this season, I think the issue is 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 the manager. I mean that sounds extremely harsh given that he's done he has done a really good job, Michel um, Zakaria, and, he, and he's a, he's a very He's very good at organising and, you know, drilling his players. Um, but I think that Montpellier have probably pretty Montpellier fans anyway, probably pretty quickly realised the limitations of a Dizakarian team. And I think, you know, when he was at Nantes, they finished um, they finished 14th twice in a row on him and were bottom scorers and second bottom scorers to Troyes when they had that nightmare year. And that he has struggled to to find a formula that 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 allows his teams to play um, expansive, uh, expansive attacking football as well as maintaining any sort of semblance of the defensive, you know, acumen. And, and that really came to a head of Montpellier this season because they were never a team to take the initiative. They were never a team to, to, to take the game by the scruff of the neck and, and, and look for the victory and, and, and attack and, and go and win a game. And, and I think that really speaks from looking at their, you know, look at their overall record and a pretty sort of, you know, it's a pretty reductionist way to look at it. But 18 draws uh, over the over 38 games, nearly half of the games were draws. And obviously the second best defence uh, in the league, only conceding 33 goals, but only scoring 36 as well. You know, there's only two more than Mets who finished bottom. Toulouse scored more goals than they did. So that, I think that for, for Montpellier, it's going to be, or at least for Zakarian, you may see his tenure on Montpellier play out in a similar way to did at Nantes when they, you know, they came up and there are, obviously that hasn't happened to Montpellier, but they were sort of in a similar sort of position and where mid-table, you know, is good, is is given the season last year, it's, it's pretty decent and they'll take that. But will they ever get anywhere beyond 10th, 9th? I mean, probably not. And I think... That you may see the unfortunate situation that there's a current experience in Nantes where they have a very similar season next year. You know, they, they're very defensive. They're very difficult to beat. The top, the top size, you know, drop points to them. But they won't go looking to, to win games. And, and, you know, even if they do com- to compete for Europe, which, to be honest, you know, carries the caveat this year, the fact that no one really wanted to take those five, fifth and sixth places. And it was all pretty even behind the top four. Um, and that you know that stands up by the fact that Montpellier drew so many games in the second half of the year. You know they drew they actually won two of their last what sort of fourteen, which which says quite a lot. The fact that they were still in contention coming into the last few weeks of the year. So you know next season they, I can see them having a very similar year. And then Dozakarian perhaps the third season. You know he's expected to push on a bit if if that's what Montpellier fans and the Montpellier hierarchy expect and challenge for Europe and progress the club. And I don't know that he's got the capacity to do that, which is a real shame because. You know, you, you can't argue with how how good he is defensively. But for a team that, again, like Nantes, who, although not one of the big four or one of the necessary one of the top six, are a team that look to progress, um, he might find that very difficult. And, and I, I can't see how Montpellier progress under him, unfortunately. And I think just one final point on that was with Rance in, in Ligue 2. You know, they won the league by a country mile this year. But last year, they only finished, what, sixth or seventh under De Zakarian? And it kind of shows that even with a team that's expected to, to go and win a league, he, he struggled. So good coach, very defensive, but probably not enough to progress the club. Mm, and that's the interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, they've had a tremendous defensive record. They only 
conceded four more than Paris Saint-Germain, who barely had to defend in half the games of the season, really. But you'd like you say, 36 goals, that's matched by Nantes. It's only been um, beaten, really, in a quote-unquote beaten, because you can't really beat for less goals. But Trois Metz are the team sides that have ended up going down um, in this season. You do feel that with Montpellier possibly losing someone like Jerome Roussillon, who was one of their main creative forces, really, that um, they might need to try and find a way to counter better if they are going to stay under Desikarian. Um Onto a team that had a bit of a tricky season, really, Eric. That um, it, Angers looked like they were going to be struggling for long periods of the season. They were well down there up until the sort of final few months of the season and a, a, a great run that combined with um, Stefan Moulin getting a new contract with the club, which is kind of a reverse move to what we see with many times that are struggling down the bottom of, of league tables. But they managed to drag themselves out of trouble with a combination of, of Pure Will and, and Carl Tucker with Cambe, obviously helping um, themselves as well. But um, that trust in Moulin and giving him that new contract and the belief that he's done it a couple of times before them, for them, um, really eventually combined that with a team that they had, saw them through. Yeah, I think this has been an interesting season. You know, we... Obviously, Angers last summer turned a profit, as they always do, uh, with the sales of Pepe and Diadieu. But they they had made some significant reinvestment last season, uh, bringing in the likes of Crivelli, uh, Baptiste Guillaume, Thomas Torre. And those three in particular, none of them really panned out. Um, Las Coulibaly from Bastia was more of a mixed bag. Fulgini had a good season. Uh, but again, they... Things didn't go as, as this club expected. I, I think that they maybe the club's hierarchy in investing, I think they had a net spend, well, it must have been north of 10 million pounds, a decent amount for a club of Angers' level. But things didn't really work out. Um, the club were in a bit of a, a, bit of a bind. Uh, Romain Thomas was out of form as well. Uh, there was an issue with the, their goalkeepers as well. Um, but Moulin you know, made the necessary changes, dropping players when he needed to, making changes for injury, uh, and continue to improve players as he has time and time and time again. Carl Toko Kambi is the latest example, but we've seen that with Jeju, with, with Czech and Doi, with Hermain Thomas, who's, you know, didn't have a great season this season, but has linked, been linked with Premier League clubs in the past. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is it's not always pretty, but this play, this manager, Mona, has always, always exceeded expectations uh, with the resources he has. Now, I'm not sure about his relationship to the club's um, transfer team and whether or not Crivelli, Torre, Guillaume were the sorts of players that he wanted. But when those players weren't working out, when they, when they you know, had issues with injury, in the case of Torre, when they left themselves on loan, in the case of Crivelli, uh, it didn't matter. Um, Mulan buckled down and, and allowed this team to, to continue to Punch above its weight. I mean, let's let's be honest. There's some decent players here. Santa Maria and um, Toma Manjani are, are decent players, but really, there's not there's not a lot in this. There's not a lot of players on this team who would necessarily walk into other teams in league on. And for him to continue to do that year season after season, year after year, with the constant churn of players, constant um, constant having to being forced to lose his best players, it can be. Tokokambi is on his way out, likely to Villarreal, as a team that's been linked with him on numerous occasions. Uh, it really does say a, a lot about his abilities. And frankly, I'd like to be see, see him be given a chance with a, a club of 
perhaps a little bit more means. I, I think that'd be very interesting come summer. But again, that extension shows that Angers, despite uh, a bit of a struggle this season, really believe in his philosophy, really believe in his methods, and really believe in him uh, keeping his team in, in, in the top division. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks like um, the big rumours, Adam, that Carl Tokukambe will be heading on to Passage New, but it won't be the Premier League. It looks like it will be Villarreal, at least anyway. A good move for him? Yeah, I think so. I think um, he, he kind of suits the way that he would play. I mean, I know he's played up front on on his own on a number of, well, pretty much exclusively for, for Angers, but he's, you know, he's very capable of playing wide and that's where he started his career. And you, you look at the way Villarreal play classically, you know, 4-4-2, you know, with support and using his pace. I think that could really suit him really quite nicely. And he sort of fills that Cedric Bacambu kind of mould. He's a very kind of similar sort of player um, to, 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 you know, that slotted in nicely to that Villarreal team. So, yeah, I think that's a really good move for him and uh, the right kind of step up as well. Yeah, it's sort of that sort of, there was a lot of rumours, wasn't there, in January that it would be sort of Brighton and whether that would be the right sort of club for him to make the next step, it, it was a question. But with Villarreal having Europa League football in a competitive league, a good team with, with interesting players around him like Sammy Castelleo uh, and a few others, uh, Carlos Baca to learn off of, um, it's going to be an interesting move if that does um, come off for him. It'd be a big one for them. On to a team that oh, are probably... Arguably, Adam, this season's Montpellier maybe is the main nice way to put it, is that Colm have sort of flattered to deceive sometimes. I mentioned that every time I seem to watch them, they ended up winning. So maybe it was uh, better for other people to see them and, and really comment on how they played. But um, they were the team that this season, especially with the run that they went on to finish the campaign, they were pretty abysmal for, for a long period. But it was a fact the the dearth of quality behind them really and a point against Paris Saint-Germain yet again in a side that's 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 really didn't really turn up in that final game um, that's helped them just about keep their heads above water yeah I think I think they've got relatively lucky you know over the last couple of years they I think I think two seasons in a row they've needed a point pretty much against PSG and got it both times for sort of to stay up sort of or at least to, to aid their bid for survival in the last on the last day of the season, and they've got it both times. So, um, you know, there's, there's an element of fortune there because if PSG are going for the title, or if PSG are you know challenging for something on the last, you know, probably would be the title on the last day of the season, then you know I don't see Con getting any points from either of those games. So they've been a bit fortunate. I think you know they're a club that were promoted relatively recently, and they're the type of club that. Given the way that their season and their squad is kind of panning out, you know, Patrice Garand's left. Um, he's done a decent job there, um, and you look at their their sort of their key players, and you look at like the forward line. Ivan Centini's had a poor season, dropped off goals wide. Enzo Cavelli failed to score enough goals, and even though he was sort of in and out of the team with Centini the last the last few weeks of the season, you know, there's issues there. Um, Julian Ferre's 35 now. You know he's not going to be able to sort of plod along for much longer, and then. Even even defensively, you know, Jiku's a good player. Gilbert's a good player as well, and, and they've both been productive this season. But you know, Darren De Silva's you know getting into his thirties now. There there are holes in the team, and and it's going to be very difficult to see that you know if they find another another final day point against Paris Saint Germain is is pretty unlikely next season if they keep going the way they're going. I generally think that they're the type of team that are going to be looking into a, you know very seriously at relegation next season. You know. I think the key, the key factor, obviously, you know, now Goral's left is who's their new manager, 
and you know a lot of a lot of names have, have been mentioned and you know um Policia has been mentioned from from Amion, which which makes sense for Con's point of view but I'm not sure that it makes sense from Policia's point of view given that the players he's brought in at Amion and despite the smaller budget relatively you know not not too much smaller really he's he's almost like there isn't really a step up I know that they're a more established league inside but I don't know that there's there's much point in making that move for him. You know, Hubert Fournier was mentioned, which would have been a, a really good uh, appointment for a club like Caen. Um, but he's he's turned that down. And Philip Montagna was mentioned as well, but he's gone to Lawns. So they're sort of running out of options. And I don't see Justin Gorvenet going there either, necessarily. You know, the mention was in the Nantes situation. So they're kind of already a little bit down on options. Frank Passy's been mentioned, but I don't know that he's ever really had any productive spell in charge of well, Marseille, Mania and Lille. They were very, you know, they, they scraped survival again. And I, I just think that they're, they're, they're a little bit, they're a little bit lacking in, in focal point. And, and the manager for a club like Caen, as we talked about with Moulin for Angers, you know, that would be crucial for them. And Garon has been that kind of focal point in the last, in the last particularly this season. Um, and, and without him, it's very difficult to see where they develop. So um, a tough summer for them, given that their, their squad is, you know, is sort of la- is lacking strength in certain areas. You know, no manager in just yet. Next season could be a tough one for them. Mm, yeah, and that's where the interesting point for me, Eric, comes up on the, on this one with Cole, is that with Patrice Garon leaving, like other teams, you think that they've, he's just about kept them safe. He, he's obviously just ready for, to, to move on from this club, but it really lies on them now to find the right man to take them forward, because really this cut-off point with players like Damien De Silva is even linked with a move away. They've got strikers not grabbing goals, Ronnie Rodderland's not had the greatest season, the, the, team, the team is ageing, other players are going back like Ben Ayer, uh, it says going back to to, to Monaco and possibly going out on another loan, but at the same time this, this is a really important move for Con this season, because this summer could could really define whether they maybe well, go, in, go into next season as one of the favourites to go down. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that the points we, we've made there are good. I mean, and let's face it, you know, Khan do have a good history bringing through young players. We we look at uh, Jan Caramo, Jean-Victor Makengo, left last summer, Thomas Lamar, of course. Uh, they There's a history of, of younger talent coming through there. And I think we've seen that again with uh, with Jean Repage, Jesse Dimenge this season. There's there, there's there's something there that I think would attract the right manager, someone with a, a history of working with young players and, and getting, them, getting them to come on. So, you know, I, I don't want to tie a name to this at present, but I, I think that this should be a more attractive situation than, than it would otherwise. I, think, I do think, though, and I think that part of the frustration here and part of what might be limiting the, the Norman side's options are a lack of money. Um, Khan didn't really spend uh, last last year. I mean, I know they did bring in bring in Jiku, uh, and they made uh, Gilbert's uh, what had been a loan permanent. But I, I think that that paucity of, of of options financially uh, really would make any manager of any certain level of quality, despite their uh, reputation for working with young players. Take a moment, take it, and and give them pause to decide whether they want to hitch their wagon to a team that might end up uh, going down. They would rather avoid having that relegation on their on their CV. Yeah, it's a it's a real middle ground for Con at the moment. They need to decide whether maybe they should try and. 
do a little bit more to try and push on or whether they can risk keep consolidating like this and getting good moments that just about keep them up given the the depth of quality below them but with the sides coming up some of them look pretty good as well with with Toulouse staying in and maybe being able to get some money from some of the sales you think that you think that teams like um not necessarily, but Lille might not be down there next season if they can get the right kind of players. And you think Strasbourg might push on, Angers close to them might push on. It does start making you uh, worry that little bit more, really. Um, on to a side that did go down, unfortunately, and we won't be seeing next season is uh, is Twy. It wasn't, as we mentioned the other week on our main show, Eric, we, we mentioned that um, it's not quite the embarrassment it was a couple of seasons ago where they really never really looked like a league outside. They they had for, for moments in this season, but in the end of the day, when they got back to those last five or six games, they just left themselves with too much to do against teams that were, were difficult to play against, even though they gave good games to Marseille and, and to Saint-Étienne, where they were ahead in both those games for a time when you're having to face Leon and Montpellier and Monaco to end the season, it, it always felt like they'd maybe given themselves too much to do. And in the essence, they they, they didn't really have the, the, the power and the goal, especially up front to, to keep themselves in Liga. Yeah, it was frustrating. I, I think that uh, this team, I think just the story of their season was inconsistency. And I think that we could, we could look at Samuel Granser as being sort of a, a good example of that. I mean, Granser, you know, he's a, a very bright player. He's been included with the latest uh, set of under 21s as a spa. Uh, but in terms of his consistency from week to week, sometimes he was brilliant. And sometimes he was losing the ball every time he touched it. I think that that's really, that's really what it is. And I, I really, I feel for this team, but at the same time, you know, I don't, I think that if players can sh- so show a certain level of ability and drive, and then there's something to be said. For, there's something to be said for that. But if they can't show it consistently, well, that has to be on the manager. And I think that has to be on the players themselves. I think really, you know, having seen Twa dozen times, fifteen times this season, a good amount. Um, I think really the only players that can come out of this with any any credit to themselves would probably be Darbion and Kareem Azamoun, both of whom uh, Azamoun in particular, I think, will, will stay in Liga. Uh, Darby on probably not given his age, but uh, there really isn't a whole lot to separate this. There really isn't a whole lot to separate this team from the the middling sides in League 2 and, and, and sides that were pushing for motion in League 2. And I think that that's really their level, uh, barring, barring significant investment, just a lot, an overall lack of consistency. You know, you have a player like, uh, like Sook or Nyan, you know, score three and five, and then not score for a dozen matches. And the more you continue to see that throughout the team, this this unevenness in terms of performance, and the fact that you're relying on, you know, 41-year-old Benjamin Neve to be one of your fulcrums in attack, it, it's just a, a team that's constructed in a way that's problematic. Um, so I, I think that's all that it really stems down to. It's, it's players who can't maintain a level of ability and drive and motivation that's sufficient to stay in league on. Yeah, and that that's the interesting point for them now, really, um, Adam. And, and for the last couple of seasons, really, they they felt a bit like a yo-yo club, uh, similar to maybe Mets and, and others. Uh, while they sort of maybe 
some would argue, snuck into to Liga with a playoff and beating a Lorient side that was sort of down on the look. Um, it's getting tougher and tougher to get out of the Ligue 2 with, with that playoff now as well. And, and two sides exiting Ligue, Ligue 2 that look pretty good, but there's plenty still quality-wise still in there. You look at teams like Lens are, are still going to be there next season and will always be a side that, that even though they didn't do great this season, that um, teams will look at. There's teams like Le Havre and Brest who play very well. There's still big teams like Lorient and, and some would argue Sochaux and Auxerre to a certain degree as well. Um, can they still maintain this one or really do Trois feel like maybe even a even though it sounds not like the ideal scenario, but maybe a couple of years in league down, maybe to build themselves back up really will be the positive here rather than the, than bounce straight back. Yeah, quite possibly. I think, I, I think Eric makes a really good point in that they, they there's no, they, they, they don't really seem to have much difference between them and, and the sort of, a, a sort of upper mid table league Der side. But I think there is something in that, that, perhaps is is a little bit of a positive in that their side won't change too much over the course of the summer. You know, Christoph Harrell will definitely leave. To, well, I would imagine he would be interesting a lot of league and size. The centre-back, he's had a really good year. Um, but apart from that, you know, you know, Azamoum is an interesting an interesting one as well, as Eric mentioned, Grantier perhaps. But the, the bulk of the team will probably sit together, which is pretty unusual for a side relegated to, to league. To, you know, there's a, often a lot of turnover, you know, by by the start of the by the start of September. So I think that will play into their into their hands and will be something of a positive given that they were, you know, they were they were competitive this season if, as Eric said, inconsistent and one good enough to stay up. You know, there's they'll be able to sort of build on on the nucleus of this team, which is solid, you know, by League Dirt standards and probably better than solid by League Dirt standards. So they'll have opportunities to chase promotion again next season if they if Jean Louis Garcia stays and if they can, you know, they can make the right additions. Then I think that the, they might spend a couple of years in in League Two, but I can see them coming back to League One pretty soon. And you know who knows? They might they might be third time lucky. It might be it might sort of be the time time for them to really to really make good on on that nucleus of the team and 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 finally sort of stay up. And I think they are they are a club that is capable of that. But it's just making the right additions and and building a team capable of staying in in League One. And, and that wasn't the case this year, unfortunately. And it'd be interesting to see if they can maybe do prove me wrong and uh, bounce back next season on, on to our final team this evening. And we, we do leave one of the most interesting teams till last, and that is Marseille. They've had a really, in hindsight at least, Adam, a tremendous season. I mean, uh, many didn't expect that Marseille would be fighting till the bitter end for Champions League football. We all thought they might challenge for Europe, but not quite at that level. But with the Europa League final defeat in the way that it happened as well, and then a couple of days later getting a good win, but in the end, it mattering no for for Leon obviously going on to win. So they miss out on all on uh, two possibilities of automatic Champions League football and in the end we'll go into Europa League next season and that sort of adds a little bit of a sour taste to what had been really if you were to give Marseille fans this at the start of the season what they would have said it would have been a very good season yeah I think that's it's a really interesting point as to how Marseille's season will be perceived in the long run or perhaps even in the short term as well I think that you know you made some interesting points there about the fact that they probably weren't necessarily ex- they weren't expected to make top three, but I think they were expected to challenge. 
And given the way that this the project is going, you know, the signings they've made, um, you know, the money spent on Luis Gustavo's wages, you know, Florent Juven and Dimitri Payet kicking on, or at least they hope they would, um, Adel Ramley coming in, you know, Stephen Sevondonda coming back. There, there are a lot of there are a lot of positives in terms of personnel. And I think given that Monaco's, you know, they sold so many players over the last summer, Leon's team, you know, was was picked apart with like Lacazette and Talisa and Gonlon leaving as well. You know, they would have been expected to be in, in and amongst those sides. So I think challenging for Champions League but not quite making it was probably about par for them this season. Um, the Europa League is obviously a separate issue and um, it does colour their season differently because, you know, Marseille are a club, in my opinion, still the biggest in France. Um, and they're a club that expects challenge at that, you know, the sharp end of European competitions. And and they did that this season. So there's huge credit there to go to Garcia and, and the way they played against Leipzig, obviously were very good the Bundesliga last year and, you know, are, are a good side. And, and, and they, they, you know, Braga and Athletic Bilbao, they were really good against those teams and, and really looked like a genuine force in, in the Europa League, at least. Obviously, it's not the Champions League, which is where they see themselves. Um, but given the way it kind of panned out, it, it does feel like there is tinged, as you said, tinged disappointment given that they didn't make the Champions League somehow, which I think, although not 100% their stated aim is and they had to make the Champions League this season, was something they're extremely hopeful about for much of the campaign and the hierarchy of the club would have been coming into sort of March time, you know, when Leon had dropped off and, and Monaco were a little bit sort of struggling. There was a, you know, they could have even finished second at one point. So given that they finished fourth and they didn't win the Europa League, obviously Atletico Madrid a far superior team to them at the moment, then I think that they're, they're actually over the course of the year that you kind of look back and it's almost sort of about evens, you know, sort of, sort of about par for them this season. So it'll be interesting to see how the next season plays out. You know, additions of Yaya Torre has been mentioned, Balotelli has been mentioned heavily, that, you know, they'll go and strengthen again, I would imagine, although their money might not be as there as, as some of say fans would hope. But although it's been good, it hasn't been as, as good as they would have hoped or as good as it could have been. So I, I honestly think it's only really about par for Marseille. They're a bigger club than this season suggests and, and they'll expect to do much better next year. Yeah, and it's about getting that sort of right mix of hopes and, and dreams right, isn't it? But I mean, you think back earlier, um, Eric, that it feels frustrating that they've missed out. And at the same time, the the worry for that, for the quote-unquote champions project, is they've, they've certainly got the right manager in place in Rudy Garcia, and I think he's proved that this season, and plenty of, of good players. But at the same time, the difference between Champions League football and Europa League football for attracting the talents they want to improve the squad to push on next season can be a little bit dramatic even if they are looking at players like Balotelli and, and the likes if if other teams with Champions League football are looking at them as well they're going to be the ones slightly behind in the queue and they may be stuck at while well, they expect to probably be in the Europa League at least anyway they may be a slight step back from where they want to be in terms of how they want to be progressing at the moment I don't know I, I, I would, I would kind of take a little bit of issue with that. I think that realistically, this team could stand to have a little bit more depth. Obviously, the injury to Sakai down the back end of the season was was a big issue uh, in terms of his ability to play both flanks. So getting a second-choice left back, which is not Henry Henri Berimo, sorry, uh, keeping hold of the players that have been linked away. I think Bunasar is the only one I've really seen any tangible rumors linking away. And getting an upgrading upgrading at striker and, and probably getting an, another center back in. I know Bubakar uh, Kamara 
has is impressed, especially given his age. I think he's 18, 19. Uh, but getting another center back with, with more experience, maybe that's Sertic now that he's fit. But I think that what's here, what's in place for this team in terms of being methodical and getting the results they need in Liga with a slightly deeper squad, because really that was their undoing, um, Marseille are in good shape. I think that they struggled against the biggest sides, and this is an issue that you know, I, I've had my battles on Twitter with people about. And I think Marseille only took two points from their matches against the other their other rivals in the top four. And that needs to that doesn't that should be improved upon, but I don't think it's necessarily the issue. I, I think the issue is a lack of depth in this squad. Uh, it's getting eighty points again doesn't seem like a, an obstacle, it, particularly if a, if a top-class striker is brought in. Pae seems motivated. Tovan seems motivated. Now, if you've got those players, if you've got a striker who can contribute 10, 12, 15 goals and 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 do that on a, and play on, play well on a consistent basis, I think this team has the pieces that they need. Uh, Rudy Garcia has not only allowed this team to become more solid, but also improve players. I mean, I, I didn't think we'd be looking at the likes of Lucas Ocampos, for example, looking at the likes of Amavi as being players who could uh, operate in this sphere. I know Amavi was very highly thought of before he left for Aston Villa back in, what was that, 2014, 2015? Um, but to see him doing this consistently on, on, on at this level is hugely impressive. And I think that I think that with the right investment, and it doesn't have to be heavy investment this summer, you know, Marseille should realistically be positioning themselves to be right back in there in terms of that battle. I think with the losses that we're expecting, and then we already have seen with Monaco, uh, Lucy Fabinho today to Liverpool, that we've got, there's a, a wealth of opportunity there, particularly if, if Monaco suffered losses in the forms of the Camille Glick, be it Tomal Lamar, you know, maybe Falcao wants to go to China. You know, Leon's situation is very up in the air as well. Uh, Marcelo was linked with AC Milan today. Uh, Nabil Fekir is likely off. So Marseille have that massive advantage of having this continuity, having this solidity, having a manager in Rudy Garcia who's been there. And I think, you know, despite a disappointing end of the season, this team, maybe depending on what – but knowing that they're not going to undergo the turmoil that Monaco and Leon are likely to, even if players stay, they'll be unsettled. Marseille should, I think, be really tipped as favourites for second uh, for next season. Mm, it'd be an interesting one there. I'm sure many Marseille fans will be wagging their tongues at you for saying that, at least. Eric. That's all for tonight and for this season. My thanks to Rich, Peter, Jeremy, Eric, Adam, and everyone who's contributed to the show this year. And, of course, all of you listening at home. Uh, do keep your eyes peeled for any specials that we may decide to do over the summer and for our return before of the start of the next campaign. But until then, it's Abianto and goodbye.